This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, not to steal uh, George Robb's thunder, uh, or Geo, as his friends know him, well, as fans of his show. He po- hosts a podcast called uh, The Geologic Podcast. I've talked about Geo from time to time on this show. And uh, uh, on a recent podcast of his, uh, show number 663, Three Away from Satan, Hail Satan, uh, he, um, he he did a cold open, and that's something he does on his show, every show. It, it could be a cold open that lasts, I don't know, five minutes. It could last 30 minutes. And he does like an hour show. So, um, you know, it's, it's just up to him. And uh, I experimented with doing cold opens. I think back when I used to do the show live, uh, I mean, actually live on the air at ztalkradio.com, you know, at the, you know, on the, in the chat room and all that. I used to, I used to do it live. Um, now I do it live to laptop. But um, I, I tried it and I thought, yeah, geez, I don't know, it doesn't, it's not quite working and it's getting too much like the Geologic Podcast. I don't want to be, you know, copying them. But I am going to um, uh, piggyback on something that he talked about in his cold open from show number 663, Three Away from Satan. Oh, I said that already, didn't I? Anyway, um, he started off talking about uh, a certain, uh, certain movie tropes and TV tropes that bug him. He had, he had three that bug him. One, he talked about, you know, there was four in total that he talked about. One of them he, he lets go, and that has to do with cars and uh, whenever you see somebody stealing a car and they, they hotwire it. There's something, there's an aspect to that that doesn't really reflect real world, and he, but he lets it go. That's what he says. So, um, the, there are two of the things that he talks about. One of them has to do with uh, a person addressing a crowd using a microphone, and something happens during that setup, within that setup. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. Let him. You can listen to Geo's podcast and, and get it, what he says about that. The third thing that he brings up that, uh, that bugs him um, is, let me see, did I write it down? Oh, it's sort of the Columbo. If you are familiar with the Columbo series, with uh, Peter Falk playing the uh, uh, Lieutenant Columbo, 
uh, who investigates murders, and it was a television series that uh, was very successful in the 1970s. It was, it was part of a, a I think it was it's like Sunday Night Mystery, I think on NBC, I think. Uh, it was part of that, and uh, it would be this rotating series. It, uh, there would be Columbo, there would be Banachek, Macmillan and Wife, McLeod, it would be that, and they would rotate those around. Uh, other shows were brought in as, as time went on. Uh, and uh, Columbo was one of the most was uh, one of the most successful of those shows that they would do. Oh, they were all successful. They, they they all did pretty well. But Columbo had this lasting cultural uh, impact. And there was something that Columbo would do. Uh, if if you don't know the series at all, uh, Peter Falk plays this this lieutenant, homicide investigator. Uh, he's a, de a detective for the Los Angeles Police Department. He's a very rumpled fellow. He seems like he's uh, he's uh, um, not very well organized. Uh, he's very respectful of the people that he's he's dealing with. Um, he's you know almost almost to a fault. You know, sir, ma'am. He's just very. He says sir a lot, uh, and he's. Um, he 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 seems so unassuming and so innocent in in, in how he investigates and and he and, and the the hook of the show is we know who the murderer is we see that the first twenty minutes of the show usually is the setup for the murder we meet the murderer we meet the victim we see the murderer set everything up does the murder and then and then the police come to investigate and Colombo comes in. And uh, uh, you know, and most episodes go that way. Um, and so we know who the, it's not a who done it. There was one episode that was a who done it in that initial run of Columbo episodes. I think there were seven seasons initially, uh, and it's horrible. It's a horrible episode. It's uh, um, the, the the last of Commodore, uh, last of the Commodore, or something like that. It's called. Like, it's it's a horrible show. They thought the they thought they weren't going to make any more Columbos, so they did this goofy thing, and they did it as a whodunit, and it's just it's horrible. Anyway, um, I think it's the last salute to to the Commodore. Anyway, uh, okay, so the the enjoyment of the show is watching how Columbo catches the murderer. We know who did it. And we and it's also kind of fun to, to to figure out where in the in the throughout the show where it is that Columbo figures out that's the guy. This is my this is the this is the murderer. And then at some point you know that he knows who who the murderer is. And then they just he just works to in, to get to the point where he can arrest the guy or gal for the murder. It's really entertaining. I love the show. It's great. I haven't watched much of the, or hardly any, of the more recent ones. It came back on the air a couple times and do some more shows. What I have seen, and I've been told that some of them, some of them are good in the way that the the original series is, is were, but I, I, what I've seen just seems too murder. She wrote. It just seems too much like that. Matlock and that kind of crap. So um, anyway, so there's this. Thing that Columbo would do, and uh, he'd be having a conversation with, with the suspect, with the murderer, 
and he says he racks everything up and he starts to leave and you get the sense that the murderer's like, oh, God, the guy's finally leaving. And then there's just, he turns around and says, oh, one more thing. Just one more thing. He does that. Okay, so this is a trope that Geo brought up. It's not exactly the same, but it's along those lines. There's a conversation between a couple of characters. Uh, it usually takes place in the office of one of those characters or something like that. And the conversation's over. The one, one character is leaving the office. And there's a one more thing. And I won't say any more than that because I don't want to... I don't want to take it away from Gio. You listen to his podcast, you'll hear what he what what it is he's talking about. But the one thing that I will spoil is the first one, first point that he brought up. He talked about this happens on television, uh, TV shows, and movies all the time. And my and and it's something that I've commented on. You can ask my wife about it. That I've commented about it <laughs> while we're watching the show. And it's uh, phone. It, it deals with phone conversations. There's it, rarely in television shows and in movies. Rarely does the character say goodbye when the phone conversation is over. They just hang up. There's it's it's rare that it happens. I can think of one occasion, one film that it. I, Pretty sure it happened in, and I haven't had a chance to watch it again to make sure, but I think it happens in the film The Shining, uh, Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, which is a brilliant movie. Uh, Scatman Crothers' character, Mr. Halperin, I believe that's his name, he is down in Florida. He has The Shining. He has this psychic ability. That's what they call The Shining. And he's getting these visions that something wrong is going on in this Overlook Hotel that has the Torrance family, uh, you know, spending the winter and they're just doing the upkeep of the hotel. And uh, he's getting visions that something's going wrong up there. And he tries to call the hotel, but the phone lines are down. So then he calls a ranger station to see if they can contact the hotel because there's a radio, they have a radio uh, system. Uh, and I think in that phone conversation, I'm pretty sure. Mr. Halpern says, he says goodbye before he hangs up. I'm pretty sure he does. Not absolutely, but pretty sure. But it's but it's true. Gio's right. They don't say goodbye. Amy and I will be watching something, and I don't do this every time, but I'll do it on occasion. We watch a phone conversation take place, and the person hangs up, doesn't say goodbye, and I'll say, goodbye. Goodbye. Why does anybody say goodbye? What is it about the it's and it, and and how often do you hear a character when they answer the phone? How often do you hear them say hello? Yeah, it happens more often than 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 actually saying goodbye. It does happen, but most of the time, it seems to me, and this is just from my observation, so I could be wrong. It seems like they say yes more often than they say hello. They pick up the phone, they say yes, and it's. What about a hello? How about ahoy hoy? <laughs> ahoy hoy. That's uh, Mr. Burns says that. And apparently that's how people used to answer the phone. They used to say ahoy, I think. Anyway, so I, 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 when Gio brought that up, I thought, oh, man. Yeah, that's right. They never, well, shouldn't say never, but they rarely say goodbye. It's weird. That doesn't happen in the real world. So what I would like to have happen, and this is me taking my extra step here, what I would like to see happen is uh, when you're watching a movie or a TV show, 
uh, and there's a there's a phone conversation. Uh, what I would like to see uh, a new trope come up, and this trope would be it's you know that they do say goodbye, except it's always a sweet bye-bye. You know, no matter what the phone call is, it's it's, it's always that. It's a bye-bye. Uh, Mr. Henderson, yes, this is Detective Jones. Uh, yes, sir, we we do have news about your missing daughter. Um, uh, it's not very good news. Uh, we have found a body that does fit her general de uh, um, uh, um, description. And, well, I know how difficult this will be for you, but uh, we need you to come in to identify the body. We, we need a positive ID. I know it's very difficult uh, for you to do this. Oh, no, no, your, your wife doesn't have to come down. It can just be you. Um, we'll try to do this as, 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 uh, um, as quickly as possible, uh, as gently as possible. But uh, it, it is, it's, I know it's dif a difficult thing to do, uh, but it, it, we really need to do this to make certain that it is who we think it is. And uh, yes, we'll have everything ready. Uh, you can be here in 20 minutes. Okay, great. Well, uh, I, I know that's a very difficult thing for you. Uh, I thank you for doing this, and bye-bye. You know, it's... <laughs> I know, it's kind of dark, but wouldn't that be something? Bye-bye. Oh, uh, 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 Mr. Fitzsimmons, yes, uh, you, I know you dropped off your car for an oil change, but, uh, uh, well, uh, we find that the, that little cr the clunky sound that you were hearing in, in when you turned the wheel, yeah, you're going to need a whole new front end. Oh, and we noticed that you're burning oil, and so that means you're going to need new rings and, and new gaskets and everything. Yeah, it's only going to run you about five grand. Okay, bye-bye. You know, that's, that's what the... Uh, would, would that not work? Okay. Uh, I have a cool thing. I have to drag out. I have to bring out my uh, my uh, little device here. Uh, this cool thing. Now, remember last week when I was talking about uh, a cool thing? It was uh, MTV that uh, uh, that you can become a member of the Internet Archive. It's it's just like Internet Library. You just you can sign up, get a password, and all that. I did have. I don't know if I went into it last week, but I did have some problems with the password. I forgot it. I wrote it down and I forgot where I written it, had written it down and I tried to, I said, well, forgot my password and it took forever for the email to show up. So I did another forgot my password and it took forever for the email to show up and I did another forgot my password until finally it does show up and then I changed the password and then it says the password failed and then I couldn't do anything. <sighs> I finally eventually did, I sent an email to their, their, you know, directly to them saying, hey, look, I'm having a problem here. I did find the password. I got home, and it was in a box that I had brought home from work, and I did find it. So, anyway, it's really cool, and I haven't, I haven't even begun to begin to scratch the surface of what's in there. I'm still on the MTV stuff, but I wanted to find this, a couple of clips here, that, that uh, things that are said. Now, this is from the first day of broadcasting on uh, uh, MTV. Uh, can you call it broadcasting if it's cable? Well, whatever. This is from the first day. Now, this is uh, about three hours into whatever the videotape is there. I'm not sure if this is hour three, but the videotape, because it has some missing segments in there. But uh, when you get to, th if you find this video, you get three hours into it. Uh, Mark Goodman comes in f to do a, he's a he's the first VJ that they had on the, on the MTV. Uh, he he starts telling some some news uh, for you know 
rock music and such. I will get to that when I come back from this break. Oh, I know, I kept you, I got you built right up to it, but I decided, I decided just this second, let's go take a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll return after this break with some interesting clips from the uh, from the MTV's first day of broadcasting. <laughs> identification you're listening to ztalk radio network operating frequency on ztalkradio.com do you believe in ghosts do you think bigfoot is real do you suspect that your neighbor is really val tor leader of the lizard people of bendar 3 well dr dim doesn't and he'll tell you why when you tune into dimland radio saturday nights 11 central midnight eastern on ztalk radio network it's an hour of science promotion pop culture rants personal observation and of course skepticism Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Uh. Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z-Talk Radio. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm going to get into a couple of clips that I recorded from the uh, uh, the first day of MTV back on August 1st, 1981. And I can guarantee you they didn't play any music that day that's quite as cool. Well, they got close. A couple songs. As cool as that song that came in out of the break. That was XTC and their song, uh, Rocket from a Bottle. Off their album, uh, Black Sea, from 1980. Anyway, uh, just just pointing out I have cool bumpers on my show. Uh, So here's... here's So Mark Goodman does a little news break, and uh, he tells a couple of stories. And these... The two things that he... That I'm going to play for you here, there's a certain prescience to them. I think that's the correct word. There's a certain... um, Yeah, there's a certain... Uh, reading of the future in these pieces. Uh, the first one here's the first clip. I'll uh, I'll uh, uh, play for you. Hopefully the audio sounds okay. Picture racks of records in your favorite store, all with PG, R, or X rating stamped on the covers. Sounds a little strange, but that's the way one minister, Reverend Steve Peters, wants to see it. Peters and his St. Paul, Minnesota church say that the lyrics and album covers on many popular records have an evil influence on young people. 
You agree? No. Uh, they're asking record companies to rate the records just like movies, to warn us young people of the evils within. I wonder how they'd rate a, a title like uh, Ario's High Infidelity. Well, I know how I'd rate Ario Speedwagon's High Infidelity. <laughs> I'd rate it a 2 out of 5. It's not for me. Oh, it was at the time. When the album came out, I was big on it and everything like that. But I, you know, I there was a I discovered I went to art school. I discovered cool music, and that stuff just didn't measure up. It was one of the albums that went in the great purge, and even and and since I've gotten older and I look back, there's some some of the stuff that went away in the great purge that have been since forgiven, and says yeah that song's not that bad, yeah that's happened now. I still. Uh, Ario Speedwagon still has not gotten there. Yeah, it's, I still listen to it and I go, yeah, yeah. That's, doesn't move the needle anymore. Still doesn't move the needle. Nevertheless, so uh, Steve Peters was a pastor at a church back in the 80s here in Minnesota, in St. Paul, Minnesota. In fact, I don't think the church it, that the, the church that he was at is all that far from where I'm living right now. And where I was living then, it's not that far. Uh, and and the, he had a brother, and they were known as the Peters brothers. And they were they were big, uh, you know. The rock and roll is evil. Rock and roll has got to go. They were they were big. They had uh, record burning events until they realized that the burning the vinyl was probably you know not good. And so they they would just burn the jackets of the records. They bust up everything else, but they burn the jackets just you know symbolic. And, uh, and and they yeah so he wants a rating system. The Steve Steve Peters wants a rating system. This is 1981, and let's see, I wrote it down. The PMRC that was Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, that was her organization that came about to uh, um, um, to you know against rock and roll. Uh, they wanted to put uh, labels on records. So that's where we get the ex the explicit label when that happens. Uh, this is that was four. This guy's four years before them. Now they didn't quite get a rating system, but they did get the labels with the the warning. You know, hey kids, buy this record. You're going to hear some swear words or some sex talk or something like that. Uh, anyway, so um, so and and the Peters brothers, boy, they were they were something. Uh, I found a pamphlet from them back in the day, uh, just 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 all writing up about how terrible rock music was. They did a they did an infomercial. And, and where they would play, you know, the, they'd show these album covers. They showed the album cover to Who's Next, uh, with the Who walking away from this this cement pylon, having peed on it, which they actually didn't pee on it. They just they poured water on. It. They just had the guys walking away, and we were just, you know, you can see Keith Moon zipping up, and the inference is, hey, yeah, they all peed on it. Well, they didn't. Like I said, they didn't actually pee on it. I was reading about how that album cover was put together, and they just they were on a uh, they were on a tour or something, and they on the bus and they saw the thing and they said, "Oh, that looks cool. That's a nice shot. Let's let's go do something with that." I think that's how it happened. But anyway, so they show that on what is this promoting? I don't know, having to pee, uh, and then they would play the backward tracks, you know, the backward tracks, yeah, and and I'll give you an example. I may have talked about this in the past, but you know, one of the backward tracks was the the famous Led Zeppelin one from uh, Stairway to Heaven, and there's a part on there where uh, I think if you play the the line "There's still time," you play that backwards, you get "My Sweet Satan." 
At least that's what it sounds like that's being said. It's, you know, once you're, you prime the pump, and you'll hear it, right? So they hear this Satan, oh, and that, that just seems like, I don't know why they played it backwards. I don't know why what got them to think to do that. But it's just, yeah, it's it it's kind of sounds like that. But that's I doubt that was an intended thing. And I don't think the Satan is talking to us, hail Satan. But you know, it's I. They find that so that's that's the most that's the scariest thing they would do. But I noticed when I was watching that that infomercial with my mom. Uh, that okay. That was the one. Okay, all right. That one thing. That was. That seems like yeah. That's just coincidental. Yeah. The other times they would show some backward track stuff. There was one where they did from Pink Floyd off the wall. There's a. There's an obvious part in you're listening to whatever song it is or or a bit between songs or something. You you hear a backward track. You can hear a track going by. You you can tell that it's going backwards or at least if, if you've if you heard enough backward tracks being played. You can hear, you know, you know what it sounds like that. If 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 you know that kind of thing going on, right? So you can hear that. It's not hidden at all. It's not the subtle thing to get into your brain like the you know. There's still time backwards as my sweet Satan. It's not that. It's this. Obviously, there's something backward being played. And if you can turn your you get your turntable to go the other way you might be able to hear what's being said. So what do the Peters brothers do? Well, they get whatever technology they have, they play it backwards, and you hear that it's, you know, it's a message from Pink Floyd saying, uh, congratulations, you've uh, found the secret message, uh, contact Pink at the Funny Farm, or words to that effect. And I thought, okay, yeah, all right, is that, how does that get us to hail Satan? Hail Satan. How does that get us to do that? I don't know. And then they play, there's a song, um, geez, I can't remember which song it is, uh, but it's a, it's a Cheap Trick song, and um, I, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the song, uh, but there's a Cheap Trick song where there's a part in there where you hear, uh, you don't, it's not a backward track, it's a track that's, that's sped up, there's a bit of something that goes really fast, and and so they, they slowed it down. The Peters brothers, they slow it down, they play it, and it's somebody saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be our, you know, whatever. They're saying the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, well, what's the problem there? It's the Lord's Prayer. Aren't you happy about that? <laughs> They're trying to subtly get it into the kid's head, apparently. I don't know. It was just it was bizarre. And, and, and that pamphlet that I mentioned, reading through that that had one of my favorite lines that I've ever you know one of the favorite lines I've ever read when it comes to this sort of thing and I, I loved it so much back in the 80s like so many people I would make mixtapes and I titled one I would start to come up with titles for my mixtapes and uh, I lifted this line from that pamphlet to use as a title for one of my mixtapes a constant bombardment of frenzied Heathen discord. It's beautiful, man. It's poetry. All right, what was I talking about? Okay, so that and so right there, that's MTV. That's the first clip that I found interesting. But here's another one, and it's a little prescient. He's saying, you know, looking ahead to the PMRC and and labeling records and all that kind of stuff. You know, so to to so, so that kids can be alerted as to where the good stuff is. Oh, this one's got the good stuff on it. Um. But I wanted you to listen to this clip. This is from the same news break. And this, I don't know. 
Have a listen to this one. Have I got the right thing queued up? Here we go. This final note. Now, once you started uh, to get MTV, I bet you thought you had all the latest in stereo video music equipment. But hey, not quite. A Maryland man named Larry McCurdy has invented stereo iPhones, which he says are a must to go with your earphones. The iPhones reportedly block out all other light, and you see only tiny colored lights that flash along with the beat of the music. Fire out. <laughs> Sounds bizarre to me. Music. That's what we're about. Not iPhones yet. Let's get back to it at MTV, music television. Yeah, music. Not iPhones yet. That would be another 26 years. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I was watching that. I said, iPhones? Now, of course, the iPhones that Mark Goodman's talking about is spelled E-Y-E, not I, not just the letter I. So that's... You know, but and it's not anything like what the iPhone is that we have today. But isn't that cool? That's a cool. That's a cool coinky dinky that took place. I heard that. I thought, oh, I played that for you guys. That's I. I thought that was pretty fun. And 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 you get you know when I talked about uh, the MTV that first day, Mark Goodman. I you know I said there's a little awkwardness to it. I think you get a little sense of that in there. He's still trying to feel out how to present stuff. You know. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, he, he's trying to be dismissive of the of the iPhone, and then he says, "Sounds kind of bizarre to me." Yeah, it's just I don't know. And then there's there are things that you would see when you, they would come back from a video or from a commercial. There would be that pause, like uh, that the the VJ standing there and they're they're waiting for their cue to start talking. So you'd see that that got tightened up as the uh, as the network moved along. Okay. Now I want to do something. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna do some Bigfoot skepticism, and it, that's kind of a, a category, and it, it, which it's not just about Bigfoot, but it's that sort of, of skepticism. Uh, I want and I, and I wanted to explore this because well it's easy, and uh, <laughs> I wanted to explore that for this uh, for the rest of the show um, because uh, I was listening to. Uh, one of the podcasts that I listen to it's called in research of I may have mentioned it here on this on this on this podcast uh, radio show whatever the hell this thing is uh, it, it's it's hosted by Jeb card and Blake Smith uh, Blake Smith also co-hosts a podcast called monster talk which is a skeptic skeptical podcast about monsters and what Jeb and Blake do on in research of is they examine each episode of the granddaddy of all paranormal programs, you know, the, the, the one that set the template, pretty much, for all those ancient alien shows and all that crap that's all over the cables now, uh, In Search Of, with uh, Leonard Nimoy. And I, I always have this, for some reason, I, I have to, if you hear me sort of hiccup on the word Leonard, on the name Leonard Nimoy, it's because... I keep wanting to say Leonard Moulton. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> They're not the same person, obviously. And I, I don't. So Leonard Nimoy, he was the second choice for In Search Of. Uh, the, the, the producers originally wanted to go with Rod Serling, who had uh, provided narration for a couple of uh, two or three made-for-TV movies done by the same production uh, company uh, after the same producer. Um, and... and 
dealing with the same kind of you know stuff. You know, looking for ancient aliens and ancient mysteries and you know stuff like that. And um, they thought, well, those were really popular shows. Let's do a half-hour thing where, you know, and we'll have Rod Serling host it. Well, Rod Serling died, and Leonard Nimoy was picked to be the host, and it was so so great. It was great. I mean, I love hate this show. I love it because it's just so great. <laughs> I love the music. I love how it's presented. Uh, uh, I hate it because it's it promotes bullshit. It's mystery mongering. But it's not as, as I'm learning through listening to and research of, it's not as horrible as you were, as I remember it to be from a skeptical standpoint. Some of the shows are are not terrible. And the, there's a show that they do about Jim Jones just within a couple of years after the, the uh, all that all those people that killed themselves. Um, they do a show about him, and that's actually not bad. They talk to people that were there. They, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And they don't do any mystery mongering about it. They just, here's this guy, here's what happened, and here's some people that were involved, and, and it's, 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 it's not bad. So I've been enjoying In Research Of, but on a recent episode, Blake mentioned a, uh, a movie, a documentary, that he dug when he was a kid. It was, uh, uh, it was about Bigfoot. And and he he you know it just it had a real impact on him, and uh, he talked about it, and I thought oh, I'm gonna see if I can find that, and uh, I did. Uh, it's on the YouTube. I'll link to it on the show notes page. You know how to get to those. You go to dimland.com. You click on the show notes. Show notes. You'll find the show notes for it. It's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. Uh, the video quality is not great, but it's fine. And uh, it's hosted, it's a show that's hosted by Peter Graves, the actor Peter Graves, who, boy, there's so many, there's another, you know, the, the, the Peters brothers being here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Well, Peter Graves is from, not from St. Paul, but he's from Minnesota. And his brother, James Arnaz, who played Matt, uh, Marshall Dillon, uh, the long-running television series Gunsmoke, and even longer-running series on the radio, but Arnaz did not play Matt Dillon on the radio. It was uh, some other dude, William William some, William Conrad. William Conrad? Is that, oh, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, so... Uh, so it's hosted by uh, Peter Graves, and I I picked I, I grabbed a bunch of audio clips from this particular one so that to prompt little discussions about you know the Bigfoot skepticism and how how I, I apply it to something like this. Um, I want to start off with uh, this is this this is the intro to the documentary that makes it sound well you know you'll you'll hear it when you listen to it. Uh, here we go. Here's the intro to it's 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 known it uh, it's it's known by two names. One is the mysterious monsters, because they don't just do Bigfoot. They there's a little segment about the Loch Ness monster, and there's a segment about the abominable snow, snowman. But the lion's share of the documentary is about Bigfoot. Uh, so the but it's called the mysterious monsters, but it's also called Bigfoot the mysterious monster, and it was released in 1975. So um, here's a here's the here's the uh, first words you hear from Peter uh, Graves as the film starts. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. The facts that will be presented are true. This may be the most startling film you'll ever see. 
Really? Wow. Sounds like something. Most startling film you'll ever, you might ever see. In 1975, most startling. See, Jaws was out in 75. Let's see. I think that maybe that's not startling, but it's thrilling. How about The Exorcist? The Exorcist came out the year before. I think that would be pretty startling. Don't you think so? Anyway. All right. But this film, hmm, the facts. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, um, next clip is going to be Peter Gra Graves talking, uh, uh well, <laughs> uh, this is just, you know, as the film gets going, uh, Peter Graves is, is seen out in the, uh, out in the field. There's a team of investigators looking into some footprints and they're making plaster casts of the footprints. So, uh, here's, uh, yeah, here, here's, here's this clip. Here in this forest. Investigators have discovered a set of very strange footprints. Human-like footprints, about 18 inches long and 7 inches wide. The footprints of a giant. A mysterious creature is roaming this wilderness. A creature that has confounded scientists, baffled investigators, and captured the imagination of millions of people. We've all heard of the reported sightings of this creature. A creature most of us know as Bigfoot. We've read about it in our newspapers and heard about it on radio and television. And some of you, like me, might have been skeptical about these reports, wondering how it could be possible for a sizable population of 8-foot, 500-pound monsters to live among us on the edge of our industrialized society. Well, I was skeptical, but I was also tantalized by what I heard. So I decided to find out for myself whether Bigfoot was fact or fiction. I did this by going out to talk to the eyewitnesses, questioning scientists, by examining the footprints, by looking at and listening to Yeah, he was skeptical at first. I was skeptical until I was offered a check to appear in this film. I know that's cynical of me to think that, but come on. I mean, he, he Mission Impossible, that was the show that he, he's most famous for. He, you know, that had been off the air for a couple of years. He did work fairly steady. I looked at his IMDb page, so he was doing stuff, a lot of television work. And then he got the, a resurgence of popularity when he appeared in the, uh, the, the that great landmark comedy Airplane uh, as, a, as one of the pilots, um, or as the pilot. Uh, anyways, it's just, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're investigating? Uh, there's a thing about this film that... I, I got the the distinct impression that several people in the movie that 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 are well at least a I shouldn't say several a couple people that Peter Graves talks to in the movie I think they're actors I don't think they're actual people yeah I mean not that you know, when you know how actors aren't actual people no I mean they're, they're not actual scientists they're actors playing them. Um, Let's see. Uh, what's the next thing? So, I, yeah, I know it's kind of skeptic, uh, cynical of me to to not necessarily buy the idea that oh, I was so tantalized, I decided that I'd I'd investigate this for myself. Uh, I think it's a gig. I just think it was a gig. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I will. Oh, I'll get back to some more clips from this show and some more commentary. Uh, when I return, Dimland Radio uh, is uh, right. Well, that's what you're listening to, and I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. <laughs> 
We always wanted a big two-story house Back when we lived in that little two-room shack We wanted fame and fortune And we'd live life the way You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. We give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Oh, and you'd know MTV played the shit out of that song. That's how Duran Duran got to be so popular, because they were so uh, good-looking in video. <laughs> they had some interesting videos, had some interesting songs. But, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that MTV, yeah, and Duran Duran. Anyway, welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, doing some Bigfoot skepticism, because it's easy. Uh, it, you know, it, it, let's... I have to always hold in mind the adage that uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Not always. In the case of Bigfoot, this is 1975. We still have not found a Bigfoot. We've not found a carcass. We've not found any evidence that's that that's compelling enough to have science say, hmm, there is something here. We, you know, we haven't found hair that has turned out to be from some uh, some unknown primate species. The hair that they find turns out to be from deer, from bears, from from carpet, from you know, it, it's that's what it turns out to be. We haven't found anything. Uh, yes, yeah, so footprints, easily faked footprints. You know, and some I don't know. Well, here's here's Grover Kranz. Grover Kranz is a is an actual was an actual scientist. Uh, he has a lot of respect from from skeptics because he you know he he tried to be as scientifically uh, uh, rigorous in his examination of Bigfoot evidence, and he was convinced that 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 the animal does exist. He was convinced about it. And and here he is. I'm gonna. He, he's he's talking about uh, footprints. Uh, here we go. Hoaxers have fooled the experts occasionally, but anthropologist Grover Kranz of Washington State University insists that fakers could not have made all the giant footprints. There are a number of um, footprints that I've seen that uh, are faked, and this can be done. 
But on the other hand, there are a few that show some characteristics that I think could not have been faked. This is one such footprint. This uh, cast I've uh, drawn in the approximate reconstructions of the bones. This uh, is a crippled individual where a couple of bulges have extended out between adjacent bones on the outer edge of the foot. If this had been a human foot, these bulges would have been farther back, but they're shifted forward, making the heel longer and the front of the foot shorter. This is exactly what is required for a foot that's going to carry a, perhaps an 800-pound body. Now, I don't think any faker could have thought of it and figured this out and adjusted his footprint accordingly. A fake footprint is just simply an ex expanded, enlarged uh, footprint or an enlarged copy of a human foot. Well, and he, it, it, this this could be you know personal incredulity. That's the key. I can't think of. The, I can't. I can't imagine that somebody out there that would be faking a footprint would be would go to this level of of uh, fakery. You know, it's, he can't. He can't imagine that. And I don't know. I don't know about this footprint, right? I know it's his favorite. Uh, it was because he because I'd seen him show this on other in other areas. You see these bulges here, and you see this is a crippled individual. I don't know what caused those bulges. Is that the one that you've gotten, or is there a series of those that same footprint from that same wherever that one was gotten, walking along and say, oh, where you get even okay here it is again, here it is again, here's again, or is it just the one? Could it be an artifact of the terrain that it was that the footprint was put on, or maybe you did have a particularly clever faker i don't know it's just i i yeah for me it wasn't compelling enough but it was compelling enough for grover Krantz. you know and he's not a you know he's a scientist he understands how to look at evidence and all that kind of stuff but um i wanted to talk i got this particular clip now remember i always said i had the sneaking suspicion that Peter Graves is speaking to actors. Now, Peter Graves doesn't talk to Grover Krantz. Somebody does. He's not in there with him. But in this segment, Peter Graves is there talking to two scientists. Can you hear the quotes around that word? Scientists. They may actually be scientists, but I don't know. All right, so let's listen to this one. This is... Uh, this is um, where we come across the uh, the skeptical scientist and the uh, and the believing scientist. So here, here we'll start with the skeptical one. Eyewitness testimony, however, has had little such effect on the scientific community. Eyewitness reports are not reliable. People can think they see things. Their minds can play tricks on them. Dr. Tippett, so many people have seen Bigfoot. Now, is it possible that they're all hallucinating? Look, see this skull? Now, that's hard evidence, something to test, to deal with. Bring me a bone or a skull or, or a carcass, and then maybe I'll believe in Bigfoot. Look, hundreds of uh, law-abiding, respectable people have testified that they've seen Bigfoot. They've signed affidavits to that effect. They've even subjected themselves to examination under hypnosis. And yet the scientific community completely disregards such testimony. It's unreliable. Now, isn't it possible that science doesn't know how to use oral evidence? I mean, how to evaluate it, let's say the way the law does. Now, isn't oral testimony the basis of our judicial system? Well, I don't know. Science needs something concrete. Why, for instance, hasn't a hunter ever been able to find the remains of a dead Bigfoot in the forest? I mean, 
many people through the area where this thing supposedly has been seen. Yet nothing. A valid question. To find out the answer, I talked to anthropologist Dr. Lawrence Bradley. Well, in reality, very few bones are ever found anywhere in the forest. When an animal dies, it's immediately eaten by another animal. This is the disposal service of nature at work. I go up in the woods in Oregon and Washington all the time, and I've never seen the remains of bears or even mountain lions. And these animals are in abundance up there. Well, Dr. Bradley, it's been suggested by some people that maybe the Bigfoot creatures bury their dead. That's remotely possible. If Bigfoot is, as some of us think, a humanoid, a species of animal more man-like than beast. But it is possible. Yes, but it's a proposition completely rejected by my colleagues. But then my colleagues completely reject the possibility of Bigfoot. All right, now that's bullshit right there. His colleagues completely reject the possibility of Bigfoot. No, they don't. Skeptics do not completely reject the possibility of Bigfoot. No, we don't. And science doesn't either. It just says we do not have good enough evidence to suggest that it, or to, to establish that it actually does exist. So it's bullshit right there. And did you notice something? If you listen to the Grover Krantz spit, when he's introduced, he's he's called he's it's an anthropologist, and he's at the University of Washington, I believe it is. When we when we have this segment now that I just played, he's uh, Peter Graves is talking to a scientist that's the skeptic at first, uh, Doctor Tibbet. Doesn't tell us where he's from. Doesn't tell us what the science is that he that is his field. Just says you know, and doesn't even say he's a scientist. He just is just sort of the suggestion that this guy's a scientist, and he calls him Doctor Tibbet. The second guy, this is an anthropologist, uh, Lawrence Bradley, but doesn't say if he's affiliated with any university or anything. Oh, and Lawrence is wearing a a lab coat, a white lab coat. So that's I mean I'm sure anthropologists wear white lab coats all the time, uh, but that's to show this guy has. You know, he's a scientist. He has authority. He's wearing a white lab coat. The other guy was just wearing a suit, and he's sitting behind a table with some skulls on it and, a, and, a, and a, some kind of skeleton sitting behind him. And the skeptical scientist doesn't say the wrong things necessarily. Uh, he says, yes, we need concrete evidence to accept that the existence of a, such an animal. Uh, and anecdotes aren't good enough. And Peter Grace says, but... Is it possible that science doesn't know how to evaluate oral evidence, uh, which is the basis of our legal system? And it's no, science does know how to evaluate eyewitness testimony, oral evidence. It evaluates it very low. It's very low in its evidentiary value because eyewitnesses are reliable. They can make mistakes. They, their the eyes can play tricks on them. They could see a bear and think it's a Bigfoot. They could be making mistakes. Oh, but these are honest and you know upright people, taxpayers, and they're just fine people. Well, yeah, they can still make a mistake. They can still be wrong. So, in that segment, when he's talking to the skeptic, when the guy, you know, Graves asks him about that, instead of saying, "I understand that there are people that see that," and he says, "They can't all be hallucinating, can they?" He says, "Well." Not necessarily all of them are hallucinating, but the eyes might be playing a trick on them. They might be seeing something, you know, very briefly and not get a really good look at it. And their brain, you know, puts in certain, you know, patterns into their head. They could there's a segment of people that are going to be making it up. 
there's always going to be a segment like that that's involved. And you know, but the answer that the guy gives is he just redirects the seat. See this skull here? This is hard evidence. You know, it's instead of addressing the question being asked. And I just went, eh, okay, this sounds like it's this guy was written by someone to be skeptical. Here, you act as a skeptical scientist. We'll call you Dr. Tibbet, and you do this, and you act real dismissive. And there's, there's points in there, there's one point, I should say, where, where Peter Graves acts very acts frustrated. He just goes, this guy's not even, oh, how close-minded. You know, he gives that, that there's a there's a sigh that he makes, and he turns his head to the side to side, and then he tries, he approaches again with this, you know, in the court of law. Well, in the court of law, oral testimony is is crap too <laughs> you know eyewitness testimony it's crap it's it's not highly evaluated and then the guy who says you know well yeah they could be burying each other yeah they could i've been out in the woods and i never found anything dead <laughs> dead bodies of things well others have uh blake smith i believe uh i think that he was the one yeah he he made a video where he's put together all kinds of pictures of dead carcasses of animals found out in the wild Dead cougars, dead a dead bear, dead moose. He's he, you can find them. People find them. <laughs> they, they, you know, it, they, but we've never found a bigfoot. Well, that's because they're burying their dead. And and he says, and my colleagues don't accept that. Well, first of all, we have to establish whether the damn thing exists to figure out what kind of behavior it has. <sighs> okay. Um, what else have I got for this one? Uh, there's, there, I won't play the clip, but there was one where a fellow was talking about. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a trained observer. He works for a newspaper. He's introduced as a trained observer, <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, he works for a newspaper, and he saw some footprints running up, uh, uh, snow in snow, running up a hill, a fairly steep hill, and the stride was just amazing, amazing stride on this. As I, as I'm fairly tall myself, I'm nearly six foot four, and I would have to jump from one foot to the next foot. You know, that's amazing. But in the Skeptic magazine, in the Junior Skeptic section in the back, they did a, I think, a two-parter about Bigfoot. And Daniel, Daniel Loxton, who's the fellow who writes it and does some illustrations for the, uh, for that segment of the magazine told of a Bigfoot footprint faker who would put the, his fake footprints on his on his feet, but he put them on backwards, and he would run down a hill. And so when people would see the footprints, they would think that there's a, there's a Bigfoot that went up that hill, and that hill's so steep, and look at all the, the, the giant stride. Well, when you're running down a hill, your stride is a lot longer than it's going to be if you're, than you, when, you, than when you're running on level ground, and certainly a lot longer than if you're running up a hill. So, you know, it's, you know, fakers can be fairly clever. Um, and there's, there's this little bit. I'm going to play this a little bit here. This will be the last clip I play for this one. Bigfoot, most scientists say, cannot exist. But Dan Malachny of Deer Lodge, Montana, disagrees. I don't care what other people think. I saw Bigfoot 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and he goes on to tell a story about how he saw a Bigfoot when he was in, a, in the Boy Scouts, and they were on a camping trip, and he woke up at night, and there was a Bigfoot hanging around the camp. Uh, well, I'm sure he saw something, but it's like, I don't care 
It's that I don't care. I know what I saw. Remember what I talked about last week? He didn't say I know what I saw, but that's kind of the indication. Remember what I talked about last week? No, you don't know what you saw. You you just woke up. That you maybe it was a bear, and that's that. I I keep saying bear, but that's that's probably what a lot of these sightings are. It's just a bear, and people don't expect a bear to be standing up on its hind legs or walk around on its hind legs. They do that. I've seen video footage of them doing that out in the wild, and it's it's weird looking. It looks like a person in a bear suit walking around, but it's a bear. So maybe, I don't know if that's what it was, but, but when Peter Graves says, scientists say that Bigfoot cannot exist. No, they, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't say that it cannot exist. They just say, we don't have the evidence to support the, the, uh, the fact, if it's a fact, that Bigfoot exists. We don't have the evidence to support it. Uh, other stuff that they show in this in this movie, uh, they they have some audio sound of and that they have people analyze and they say, well, you know, primates can't, uh, you know, they can't make an e sound in their voice, and this voice isn't making an e sound, so it could be a primate, or it could be just some guy going, oh, 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 you know, doing the noises that you hear in that. It just could be. It could be. Uh, and then, and then they have some photographic evidence. And what I found interesting about the photographic evidence is uh, the first picture you show, they show you, is a, is the definition of a blob squatch. It is the definition. It's this. It's a highly contrasted picture of a wooded area, and in the middle is this thing that looks somewhat humanoid in shape, and it's it's just this black blob that looks like it, it. You know, you can see why somebody would think that it's a it's a figure of of a Bigfoot. But it's come on. And then the second picture they show, I can't see a damn thing in it. It could be the video quality on the YouTube. It could be that. But I can't see it. All I see is brush and trees. That's it. That's all I see. They don't even put a circle or an arrow saying, here's where the blob squatch is. Then the third picture they show you is it's an obvious fake. It's a, it's a guy it, or you know, it's a person wrapped up in some furs. And it's 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 just kind of sitting there alongside a uh, a cliff wall, just kind of sitting there, and and I've seen that image in other documentaries about Bigfoot where they show that, and they use that one as an example of a fake, <laughs> and of course they have the Pat Patterson Gimlin film, that's the that's the that's the gold standard evidence for Bigfoot, except it's it's inconclusive, at best, and it's probably a guy in a Bigfoot suit walking along. It's probably. And they have they have a primatologist, I think that's who it is, uh, look at the film and point out some things that he finds inconsistent that as well, you know, this the, the coloration of the feet is too light. And then they go to Grover Krantz and Grover Krantz has an answer for each of these things. And he says, oh, no, no, the pigmentation on, you know, for human beings, the pigmentation of, uh, you know, for, for people with darker skin, the pigmentation on their hands and their feet because of the thickness of the skin or something like that, there's less pigment there. So they're lighter. They tend to be lighter. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but uh, I watched the thing and it's just, it's just, I just, it's just, it's just. <laughs> but it's on the YouTube. You can watch it. Uh, yeah. And you'll enjoy it. But there's another one on YouTube. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. I watched it. It's, it's called The Legend of Bigfoot. It, too, was released in 1975. It was made by some guy named Ivan Marks. I'll have Ivan, uh, this is the, this is the opening uh, 
bits. You know, the Peter Graves film had an opening bit where he was talking about, you know, this might be the most startling film you'll ever see. Well, here's Ivan Marks, and here's what he, here's how he opens his film. My name is Ivan Marks. The film you're about to see is authentic. It records the last ten years which has changed my life. I stumbled on something that I could not believe at first, but soon realized it had significance on me and everyone around me, which could not be ignored or underestimated. The Eskimos call the subject of my story Bushman. The Colville Indians of upstate Washington call him Sasquatch. The Hoopas of Northern California call him Omar. But right now, let's just call him Bigfoot. Oh, and you will hear Ivan Marks. He narrates the film. He will say Bigfoot a thousand times. And he says it, Bigfoot. Oh, is that Bigfoot? And he narrates this film as though he's um, uh, speaking to a class of kindergartners. Oh, do you guys believe in Bigfoot? Bigfoot. Oh, and he tracks him. Tracks him up to Alaska to where Bigfoot breeds, and he tracks him back down to some place someplace else, some place called uh, Beaver Swamp or something like that. And and you listen to him, well, you know, and you watch the film, you see film footage of, of, of the Bigfoot that he captured. So let's, this is a longer clip. Uh, uh, this is a, well, <laughs> listen and enjoy. goes on to talk about how he, he he you know he could barely hold the camera still and all this he, and he, and we're seeing footage of 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 what is obviously people in suits in some sort of costume it's obvious that they, these are guys in costumes but they're also done in such a way that, so they're blob squatches you know they're 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 close enough to the camera to to be interesting but far enough away so you can't get any really good detail and, but it's obvious these are guys in costumes. And if you take this film from 1975, made by this guy, at face value, he has established that Bigfoot exists. He finds he's found where they breed. He finds where they they hang out. And this other thing, it's just and he's he in the course of this film, he tells of 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 encountering Bigfoot four times. Hunter Peter Byrne. I think that's his name, uh, you, he, who was in the other documentary with the, the Peter Graves thing, he'd been hunting him for I don't know how long, never saw him once. This, But this, this Yutz find, sees him four times 
He sees two on the last time. No way. <laughs> no way. That's a... I call bullshit. <laughs> that one. Good night, Frau Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Uh, I'll have links to both of these these documentaries... Uh, but it's oh man, you'll you'll hear the word Bigfoot so many times it'll be ridiculous. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Be patient. Wash your hands. Stay home. Stay safe. And this is your host Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. Oops, I paused it. <laughs> check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.